0: Matthew chapter nine verse fourteen. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, "Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast?" And Jesus said to them, "Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse." Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Uh, What's going on in this sermon or or this part of the scripture is that uh, these guys come to come to Jesus and they say, you know what? Um, Why is it that your guys don't fast and we fast? What's what's the difference? And Jesus kind of uses this. Uh, a cryptic story and says, you know, you don't put an unshrunk piece of cloth on a on an old cloth because then they'll tear away. And he said, if you're going to make wine, he goes, you don't put new wine into old wine skins or else you're, you're not going to have a uh, good wine. And he uses that as an example to them about fasting. And so uh, this morning, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about some uh Christian discipline, specifically fasting. Let me just put like this: Have you ever had any some, somebody try to get you to do something you don't want to do yeah. Yeah. that they think's like super cool? Like yes, biking or camp or or hiking or or camping or running or eating eggplant? Oh, you've never had my eggplant, right? Like. And, and Christian disciplines are kind of the same way that sometimes people try to get people to do Christian disciplines and they're not Christians. If you are not a Christian, there's no reason for you to do Christian disciplines at all. It's the reason why this morning when we took up the offering, we said, if you're not a Christian, don't give, man. There's nothing that God needs more than you. So uh, you, there's no reason to do Christian disciplines. And so this this portion of Scripture, we're going to jump around a little bit this morning. But let me give you the kind of the big picture before we get into the details. These guys are asking, why don't your disciples fast? Jesus says, because my disciples don't need to fast because I'm here with them. Once I'm gone, then they can fast. And he uses this example of of, of fabric and wineskins to describe that Christian discipline, specifically fasting, only work when the new man does the new thing. If the old man tries to do the new thing, it will never work. And so he says, you've got to be born again. Amen. Amen. Uh, 1 John 5.3 says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Friend, following Jesus should not be a burden. To be a long like forty minutes for some of y'all. <laughs> Serving Jesus should not be a burden. And so if you find yourself burdened by the things of God, there's probably a step in the process that you missed. Uh, You need to go back to the cross. You need to go and be renewed. You need to go and be set free. If you find the things of God uh, burdensome, you don't like to serve and give and, and love and worship and listen to preaching like all these other types of things, you've missed a step. And the step is be renewed. If you be renewed, then these things will come to you easily because Christian disciplines are a natural response of a submitted life towards Christ. You don't do them to make yourself a Christian. You do them because you are a Christian. And so if you've been to the cross, you've been broken over your sin, you'll naturally want to do these things uh, towards Jesus. So uh, let let me start off this way. Um, In this scripture... And Jesus' question about fasting of his disciples, and the, again, the Pharisees say, well, we fast, how come your guys don't fast? And, and we'll get into the nuts and bolt, bolts of this, but there's a there's an important distinction that I want to make here, is that Jesus prophesies to these Pharisees, I am here now, and I'm going to leave. Uh, and, and he was talking about his death, burial, and his resurrection. And so he makes this distinction. He says, I'm here now, but I'm going to leave. And what happened? He was there, and then he left. Yeah. That's what happened. He said to them, I'm here now, and then I'm going to leave. And when I leave, then people will fast. And why will they fast? They will fast when the bridegroom is not here, because they will be fasting, preparing for the bridegroom to return. Yeah. That's the period of fasting in which they will live. They don't fast now because I'm here. I'm going to leave. Then they will fast. Why will they fast? Because I'm going to return back to my bride, my church. And that will be a means by which they can prepare themselves for me is through fasting. But there's no point to them fasting while I'm here. They will fast while I'm gone. Jesus was preparing his followers that he was going to leave. To prepare for his eventual return. His return. Mark 13.32. But of that day and hour no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, But only the father. And so his disciples would eagerly await his return. They would eagerly expect that Jesus would return one day. There wasn't any point to fast while Jesus was there. It wouldn't be beneficial. Because fasting prepares your heart to receive the return of Christ. And if he was there, there'd be no spiritual benefit for it. Friend, do you know that Jesus is going to return one day? Yes. Did you know that you should live with with an expectation of Christ's return? Jesus said in Revelation 22, 12, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. Make no mistake, Jesus is coming soon. Yes. And people say, how soon? Soon. <laughs> we have never been closer to Christ's return than we are now. Ever. The, 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 the signs are uh, abundantly clear that we are closer to Christ's return than we have ever been. Now, here's the thing. If Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said, you know what? I'm going uh, to be crucified, I'm going to die, and I'm going to bring myself back from the dead. I mean, this is the basis of our belief, friend. Right? We believe that, that Jesus, 100% God, 100% man, uh, man, died, was put in a tomb. And by his own power, he brought himself back from the dead. Yeah. And, and it happened and it was real. And now what happens is that I, I say to you, I say, Christ will return one day. And there's some of you in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I just don't see how that could happen. It just seems unreasonable to me. This whole thing, if you haven't read it, there's a lot of stuff in here that seems unreasonable. Seems unreasonable that you were born out of dirt. Seems unreasonable that God flooded the earth. Seems unreasonable that he made a donkey talk. Made people walk on water, parted the Red Seas, made food fall from the sky. I mean, come on now. This whole book is a book of unreasonable stuff that to a human brain and a human mind says unreasonable. And the end of the book says Jesus is going to return in glory, and you don't want to believe that it's going to happen because you haven't seen it with your own two eyes. But make no mistake, you will see it with your own two eyes when He re- when He returns. This is what the Bible says about Jesus Christ's return in Matthew 24, And He describes it in Matthew 24 verse. Uh, let's let's start in verse 36. He says, "But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only." But as the days of Noah were, so also be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and, and took them all away, so also will be the coming of man be. It, it, let, me, let me give it to you in today's language. So will be in the coming of the Son of Man. People will be going out to eat. People will be going to sporting events. People will be watching their televisions and driving their cars. And they will say, well, my, my, my Lord delays his coming. And when you least expect it, he will return. That, that's, that's the definition of today. And, and, and such it was in the day of Noah that they, they watched Noah as he built this boat. And they said, what a kook. What an idiot. What is he doing? Why is he building this boat? Nothing's going to happen. And then the door of the ark shut. And all the other people were left outside. And they they drowned and they died when they had a chance to be able to repent and turn towards God. And beg, put me on the ark that I may be saved. But they refused. And they said, I want to live my own life on my own terms. And do things my own way. I don't want to have to answer to God. Same thing as today. I don't have time to go into it, but but the ark is the, uh, is the representation of God's protection, and the church is God's ark today. Not a representation, a literal. Don't think representation, it was literal. When the time is now, get on the ark, man. Get on the ark before the flood comes. People think they have time, just like in the days of Noah. They don't. At any moment, he can return. He can return before the end of this sermon. He return. Any time, people say, and you say it in your heart all the time. Well, my master delays his coming. And right now he does, right? I mean, we're still here right now, but some people, man, they live at this expectation. You know, the truth, you know, Jesus is going to return, but you're like, nah, I'll take care of this petty sin later. I'll, I'll fix this relationship later. I'll, I'll, start serving God. Once things get, once things get really bad in the earth, then I'll really worse. <laughs> what more do you need, man? If you don't want to live under Christ's protection now, man, I don't know what else I could do to convince you. Jesus said, John 14, 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. Praise God, man. That means he's in heaven preparing a place for you and I. And he's going to come back for those that are in Christ and bring us back to him. Hebrews 9.28, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. And Christ's return will occur when we least expect it, and a time when we are least prepared. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, uh, we we would be left alone as children, uh, because I was raised by a single mom. And if you're a single parent, let me tell you, man, do not leave boys alone. Uh, especially, do not... <laughs> Do not leave boys alone with gasoline in the house. That's bad. And don't leave uh, boys alone if there's a barbecue on a second story deck without a good sense of fuel. Because what those boys might do is they might go around to the neighbor's yards and find a bunch of, you know, dog excrement and throw it in the barbecue and light it on fire and have six foot flames. You know, I didn't think my mom was going to come home at the time that she did. (laughs) Seemed really good at the time. Where our house was situated, it was a house in Ballard and there's an alley and there's a front street. We're on the second story and there's literally flames like this. We're like, yeah, this is awesome. Mom's in the front and she goes, hey. We look down like, oh my gosh, mom's home. She's got to drive all the way around the block. Some neighbor kids were there. They literally jump off the second story deck. They didn't even go back in through the house. My mom came home worth throwing paper, I mean, throwing water on to put it out. What, mom? Mom's sharpening her ladle, getting ready to pow, pow. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny story. But the story isn't about us lighting dog pool on fire. The story is Christ is going to come when you least expect it. And the proverbial dog poo fires of your life are going to be lit. And you better find yourself putting those things out before he returns. See, it's funny. I tell these funny stories and people think they're funny, but you miss the point. Christ is going to return, man. He's going to return. Let me read it to you in 1 Thessalonians. Where's the 1 Thessalonians? It's in the New Testament. I know it's going to be up there, but I want to bring it up. Maybe I can't find it. Oh, let's just put it up on the screen. Where is it? First, there it is. For the Lord himself. It's fine. My papers are stuck together. Uh, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Friend, there's going to be a day where you're going to be sitting here and all of a sudden it's going to be woo we're just going to start pulling away from this earth and the people that aren't in Christ, it's going to be like that. And you're going to be left behind and you're going to see, and you're like, man, just what happened I was sitting in church and now all of a sudden there's just like five people left. What happened? I was at the store and everybody was gone. I was on a plane and half the people were, were gone because that's how it's going to happen. And, and, and there are signs of the times and there are things that are going to happen, but, but you, no one knows the day or the hour. It's going to happen when you least expect it. Are you expectantly awaiting Christ's return and living as though he could return at any given moment? Do you, do you live with that spirit of expectations? See, and, and I, I think many Christians nowadays, because the Lord has tarried so long that they just think like, I still have time. I still have time. My grandparents thought they were going to see Christ return, and they died and have gone on. My parents thought, and they died, and they've gone on. Instead of like, you know what, man? The Lord has delayed His coming, and that just means that the time is even shorter. The time is even shorter and and And, if you hang around me, you realize that like i've I've brought this this language into my life because I never want to forget about Christ's return. Crystal and I talk about our retirement. it's probably twenty years away from now, but whenever I talk about my retirement, what I always say is, "If the Lord tarries, right. if the Lord tarries, and I make it to sixty whatever and if I see you and and we'll see each other after church, we' we'll be like, all right, man, see you Wednesday, I always try to say things like Hey, man, Lord willing, we'll see each other Wednesday. If Jesus doesn't come back before then, I'll see you Sunday. And and I say those things because I want to remind myself and I want you to be reminded that tomorrow's not promised to anybody. None of it is promised, man. We could see each other today and be like, hey, man, see you Wednesday. Jesus could come back on Monday and then it's all over. We're all gone. No, don't say, the Bible says, do not say tomorrow we shall do this or we shall do that. The Bible says, if the Lord wills, we will see that. Revelation 3, 3, remember therefore how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know which hour I will come upon you. And I don't know if you've ever had your house or your car broken into, but it's unnerving. It's unnerving. And if you ever had that happen, what you always tell yourself is, man, if I would have done this, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Right? I had my car broken into a few years ago when I went uh, uh, hiking up in, uh, hiking. It was a walk on a paved trail. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I, I took up my phone and my wallet because I was fussing around. My, and I left it right on the center console. And then I went for a walk. And when I came back, my phone and my wallet were gone. And so were my window right? Because that's how it works. If I would have thought better, I would have put it inside of the glove box or I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone on that walk. That's, that's where it all happened. (laughs) But some some of y'all are going to be there spiritually. You're going to, you're going to miss the call, man. The trumpet's going to sound. And then you're like, well, if, 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 if I would have known, I will tell you, man, you may not like me and you may not like my preaching, but I will never stand before God and have one of you say, well, he never told us. You may and, and it's fine man cuz I know I'm going to answer to God for it and so I will not 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 declare to you the whole counsel of God. I'm not I'm not going to do that. And many people don't like it cuz they don't like to feel uncomfortable, but you don't have to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. That's self-induced. Just repent. Just give your life to Jesus. The people that are in Christ are like, "Come Lord Jesus. Let's go man. No more taxes, no more bills, no more teachers dirty looks. You know what I mean?" <laughs> 2 Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And I will tell you, the only answer for the preparation of the return of Christ is to be prepared all day, every day. Live with the spirit of expectancy. Live with an expectant, like go to bed at night. like, man, I hope that Jesus comes back before I wake up in the morning, amen? Amen. And I will tell you, I have never had more of a time that I am expectantly awaiting Christ's return than now. I have have really learned to not like the world since I have been the last 18 months. It's all a bunch of nonsense, man. It's all just worthless. We don't need any of it. We just don't. And if you haven't learned that during the last 18 months, man, I don't know what else I can do to teach it to you. It's just, it's all a bunch of nothing. We don't need any bit of it at all. We should be waiting though. We should be waiting together, worshiping. It's it's, it's interesting. A lot of times people come to a church and they'll say, well, what is the church doing? You know, the greatest thing that we do is gather. It's the greatest thing that we do. There's stuff that happens because we gather, but the greatest thing that happens is that we gather, is that we come together. Why? Because Hebrews 10:5, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So when you gather together with the people of God and someone's like, man, I had a really bad week. When's the last time you put your hand on somebody's shoulder and say, you know what, brother? Jesus could come back before the end yeah. of this week. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. We gather together and we encourage each other with these words. We tell each other, say, you know what, man, you don't have to worry about what's going on. You don't have to worry about that sort of thing because Jesus is coming back soon. Let's pray he comes back this week so you don't have to go through this week. Amen? Yeah. Corporate worship gatherings are central to the preparation of the bride for Christ. And so when you say, man, why do I got to go to church? Because you can't be the church by yourself. You got to gather together. You got to be together as the bride of Christ, eagerly awaiting his return. And I pray to God that he comes back on a Sunday morning. Oh, man, wouldn't that be the best? Oh, it'd be so good. This is what it sounds like. This is what it looks like when the church is... (laughs) Man. Luke 12:40, "Therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect." See, the, the point of this scripture that we're going through today, and I know we talked about Christ's return. But when Jesus says in verse 15, he says, "Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them?" No. F- fasting, prepare, fasting is a sense of mourning. It's a sense of, of waiting for the bridegroom to return. But the days will come and the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. And he uses this explanation. He says, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. And now uh, I'm sure many of you don't sew, but you can understand that if you have a piece of a garment shrink. So if you put an untrunk one on an old garment, when the garment shrinks, it'll tear the old garment just because of the power of the shrinking garment. And then he uses the uh, new wine and the old wine skin. Now, many people have used this as an example of like, Oh, you got to do something new because you can't do old wine. I got to do something new because you can't do the old, uh, old garment or whatever. But that statement, the statement by Jesus is often misinterpreted and uh, misrepresented uh, th- th- in the easiest way to understand. Now, remember, whenever you read scripture, context is king. You, you can't pull it out of one area and then be like, Oh, it means this. You've got to look where it's sitting. So Jesus taught, they ask him about fasting. He talks about fasting and then he uses the garment and the wineskins thing as an example. What's the example? An old man and a new man together cannot do fasting. An unregenerated man and a new man cannot do fasting. It doesn't work that way. The only way fasting works is if you are regenerated. The only way fasting works is if all the cloth is new. The only way fasting works is if all the wine is new. You can't mix old with new and expect that things are going to go well. That's why Jesus is saying, in effect, you have to be born again. You have to be a a person that's actually awaiting for the bridegroom. You have to be in Christ. You have to be in the bride. Because if you're not, you're you're just going to ruin things, man. You're going to tear. The garment with from each other. You're gonna split open the wine skins because you can't do this spiritual discipline of fasting unless you are regenerated, born a, great, a born again person, awaiting for the bridegroom to return. You just can't do it. Yeah. It's more of his absence that he's talking about. It's the reality of his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus says, with no regeneration, there's no point to the spiritual discipline of fasting. Yeah, yeah. None. Correct. And so the answer is, be born again. Amen. The answer is, be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Become new. Become a new creation. Jesus said in John 3:5, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So if you're here this morning or watching online, if you are not a Christian, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You, you just can't. That, that, it's not possible. And there's no point in you fasting. And fasting or any other spiritual discipline is godly and good, but it's for the believer in Christ. And to, it's, if, you, if you just don't eat, you just don't eat. That's not fasting. That's just not eating. But if you enter into a spiritual session of not eating food, that's fasting. The promise of Ezekiel 36, 26 is I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Friend, that's a promise of scripture. And only God can do that through the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. First John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. And where do you find that love of God? You find the love of God at the foot of the cross. And at the foot of the cross, when I say that, the foot of the cross is the place where you truly recognize how wicked and despicable and nasty that you are. And you say, man, I am nothing and nobody and I can't save myself. I've done wrong and I've been wrong and I and I feel guilt and I feel shame and I want to be made new. I want to be made a, a new creation. And so you lay down at the feet of Jesus at the cross and you say, will you forgive me? Will you set me free? Will you make me a new creation? And then he does. He he receives you and he washes you and he redeems you and he loves you. And then you love him and then you follow him. And then the disciplines cease to be burdensome. It just, I mean, you don't say, I got to go to church. You're like, man, I get to go to church. Hallelujah. And I got to read my Bible. Man, I get to read my Bible. And I get to worship God. And what are you doing this week, man, my schedule? I'm going to be able to fast this week, praise God. I'm going to be able to enter into a spirit of fasting where I'm going to to hear from God and God's going to hear from me. I'm taking away all the distractions. I'm not going to watch anything or read anything. I'm just going to fast, man. You know, years ago when we bought this church, I remember uh, this was a Russian church. And I was meeting with the pastor on the day that we signed uh, for the building. And I remember uh, uh, I said to him, hey, come out to lunch with us. We're going to celebrate. And he said, oh, I can't go out to lunch with you today. I'm fasting. And I said, oh, I said, well, you can come out and you can drink water. And he goes, water? I'm fasting. (laughs) Now, I'll tell you, at least at our church, we get water when we're fasting. (laughs) Praise God. Have you been born again? No. Okay. No, you had a chance. You didn't say it. (laughs) Have you been saved from your sin. Have you been set free? Have you been redeemed? And here's what I know. I know that there are people here this morning that haven't been saved. I know there's people here that are dead in their sins. And for those of you that aren't, you should rejoice that you have a pastor that wants to see people saved, man. So I want to see people set free. I want to see people redeemed. But I will tell you, man, for those of you that are here this morning that aren't a believer, I believe that Christ wants to set you free today. I believe that he wants to set you free. I, I, I believe that he wants to make you a new creation. Yes. And I don't understand it, man. Je- Jesus said in John chapter five, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Yeah. Why, would, why would you not want to pass from death to life? Yeah. Why, why would you not want that? It, it, it makes no sense to me. It's free and it's freeing, but people are just like, Nah, I don't want that. I want to live, I want to live life to myself. I want to, I want to wait for Christ to return and have to live under judgment. I want to live under the wrath of God. No way, man. Not at all. I don't know how clear I can say it. Judgment is awaiting for those who refuse the free gift that Christ provides. There's no second chance. There's no, there's no place where where Christ is like, well, we're gonna give you another chance to just because now I'm really here. That's not how it works, man. Once you see Him, it's too late. The time to prepare is not when the rain starts to fall. It's not. The time is not. God has given. It's God's grace that you're here this morning. It's God's grace that you're here hearing this message. If you want to be forgiven of your past sins and live under the freedom of Christ, just turn to Him. Turn to Jesus and say, I want to be set free. Turn to Him and say, I want to be a new creation. And then the Bible says that, that you're going to get this free gift from God and that it won't be of yourself. And the Bible says that you'll be a new creation and be new. The Bible says that you're going to receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible's going to say that you're going to move from death to life and truly start living. Amen? Amen. The Bible says that you're going to overcome the world through belief in Christ. I'll tell you, this, this last 18 months has revealed many people's allegiances and where their faith is. The, the Bible says through faith in Christ, you can have victory over this world. You're, you're not going to care about what's going on around you. You're going to be so overwhelmed, man. I've said it before. I'll say it again, man. The world is going to world. And If you can't handle the nonsense they're putting out now, dude, it will not go well for you in the future. It just won't because it, it, it's going to get more nonsensical. I know it seems unlikely that it could be. But we will be sitting here, if if the Lord tarries, months or years from now, and be like, remember back in 2020 how we thought that was weird? It's, I, sorry, I'm holding myself back from going on a... Come on, man. It's just... And you might say to yourself, you might say, you know, man, I, I think I'm doing pretty good. And think, Come on, man, I'm paying my bills. It's always like I'm not murdering anybody. I'm not sleeping with anybody who's not my spouse. Yeah. Dude, it's so like the Bible says you're born into sin. The Bible says you're under the wrath of God. You know, I had a, I had a cousin that uh, died from cancer about 10 years ago. And uh, her and I were the same age. And, and, and she was beautiful. And um, she was a... a she was a very slender gal, and I, and I remember when I went to go see her right before she died, and she had this huge abdomen. And, and when I tell you, I mean it was it was a huge abdomen. And and uh, I, I said to her, I said, w- how did it get that? Like I'm the guy that just asks direct questions. I'm like, how did it get that big? Like, wasn't there a point where you're like, this is bad? Yeah. And and she was a, she was a, a, a waitress, and she was working. And she said you know for about a year i remember being at work and i and i felt something inside of me that just felt wrong she goes i would push on it and it would be hard and and she said i just didn't want to believe that it was what it was and she said then little by little it just started getting bigger and people started asking me if i was pregnant and then i i went to the doctor and the doctor was like there's nothing we can do like it's it's spread it's within everything around you and you just you know it's palliative care she just went home and Waited to die. I mean, by the grace of God, I was able to lead her to Christ, and she received Christ. And, um, wow. and, and but but the the point of that story is that like spiritually, people do that all the time. Like you not like if you're not in Christ, you know something's wrong in your life. You know it, man. I and mean, there's this nagging feeling, but just like it's fine. I just feel weird, but you know that that preacher's just trying to manipulate me. I'm not trying to manipulate you, man. I'm a doctor looking at the x-rays being like, there's something in you that's going to kill you. And we need to get that thing out, man. And you need to get that thing out before time is too late. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to get it to the point where you're like, oh my gosh, man, it's too far gone. There's there's nothing we can do at this point. Nothing we can do to this point. Let me, let me show you what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty one. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness that is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit if you have tried to live a righteous life on your own strength and found yourself powerless to do it go back to the cross and be regenerated then you can say in Galatians 2:20 I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Me. He loved you while you were his enemy. Like right now, if you're not a Christian, you're, you're God's enemy and he's loving you. He's, uh, he's reaching out to you and just saying like, uh, walk in my grace. You want to be ready. You, you want to go to heaven. You don't want to you do not want to have to go through the realignment of the cosmos without Jesus, man. I've read the end of the book, and it's, it's a bloody, fiery endeavor of which you do not want to have to go through at all. And I get it, man. People, people don't want to do it, but I will tell you, the God life is the best life. I, I know unbelievers in my life, and they look at my life, and they say things like, man, must be nice, and that everybody can have the same life as you can. I'm like, no, but actually you can. Yeah. By the grace of God, I, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 15 years old. I made a decision that I wasn't going to be a drunkard. I made a decision I was only going to sleep with my wife once I met her. Like, I, I made those type of decisions. It's not a very exciting testimony, but it sure does lead to a blessed life. And, and, and you know what? It's free for the taking. Anybody that wants that kind of life, is like, man, I just want to live by the precepts of God and have my life. No, I didn't say it was easy, it's just blessed. I've had problems. And I've had bumps and bruises and bad things that have happened to me in my life. But I tell you one thing, I sure like going through them with Jesus not going through them without him. It's a good life. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And friend, he is faithful, is he not? He is faithful. He protects. He guides. He loves. He directs. He corrects. He fills and he redeems. Man, don't be the old you. He wasn't that good anyway, man. Come to Christ and have him make you new. Don't reject the free offer of forgiveness from Christ. Don't needlessly walk through the pains of this earth because you refuse to bow the knee. Just go to him and say, whatever you require of me, whatever you want from me, and watch what he will do with it. That was the intro. Let's get into the sermon. So... I want to teach you guys about fasting really quick before we get out of here. Just a few more minutes. I'm I'm teaching my fasting right now by keeping you from your lunch. This is the first step. I don't want to miss the point of this sermon. The point of the sermon that Jesus is making is that they shouldn't fast while Jesus is here. And so if Jesus is not here, then what, what should we be doing? Fasting. All right, that's what we should be doing. We should prepare. And if you don't know what fasting means, let me explain to you what it is. It's, not go, it's going without food. That's what it is. Don't say, like, oh, I'm fasting TV. No, you're not. You're just doing what you should be doing in the first place and not watching that devil box. It's pretty funny, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's so wicked. It's televisions. I, I watch it. It does. But man, it's evil. Anyway, so back to the thing. Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you fast... And uh, if you're here this morning, you're a Christian and you've never gone 24 hours without food on purpose, you're doing it wrong. Christians should fast, man. It's like the same thing when a Christians never gave, I'm like, how if you never gave or a Christian that doesn't serve? How do you not serve or a Christian that doesn't attend church or doesn't have fellowship with the saints or doesn't read their Bible? Fasting's the same way. You got to fast, man. It's got to be part of your spiritual discipline. It, it, it just does. Um, if you read Matthew 24, it talks about, and and I'm running out of time, but you can read it. Matthew 24, it talks about the end times and it's not going to be good. It's just not, it's, it's not going to be roses and, you know, Senate hearings. It's not going to be that, man. It's going to be a despicable, destroying time that you're going to wish that you were in Christ. And you're also going to wish that you had prepared beforehand. Do, do you guys not remember last year how crazy people were about the toilet paper? Oh do you remember this? Yeah. Yeah. People are like, we got to go. Toilet paper. Like, it was that serious of a thing, right? Yeah. Like, you're literally greeting people. Like, man, how are you with the paper? You need some, man? A spare square? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's literally how it was. What, what do you think it's going to be like when, when the end times come? It, it, going through the beginnings of the tribulation before Christ comes, do you think people can have a spirit of generosity? Like, Oh, take some of what I have. No. And I will tell you this, man, you cannot store up enough beans, bullets, and bouillon to be able to prepare for Christ's return. You just can't. You just can't. It's impossible. But what you can do is you can prepare yourself as a person that can endure. And I will tell you, man, one of the greatest ways that you endure is by fasting now and learning to, you can go through something, man. Yeah. You just can't say, if you, would t- if you would just fast once a month for 24 hours, just like, dude, I'm not going without food. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. You're not going to like it. But what you're going to do is you're going to kind of become a person that says, you know what, man, I'm so above this world, I don't even need to eat. Yeah. You go to somebody's house for dinner and people are like, oh, dinner won't be ready for an hour. An hour? Man, I've gone days without eating. I can wait another hour. Instead of being controlled by your stomach. Whatever food stores you may have will last twice as long. You require less energy, require less food. See, some some of you scoff, and, and I get it, man. I, I always hear feedback, and a lot of first-time visitors that don't like my preaching. But I'm actually doing you a favor. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have a pastor that wants to prepare you, uh, that, that wants to prepare you for what is going to come. That's why, well, that's why I will not shirk from preaching the whole counsel of God. Begin to fast, man. Uh, You can prepare for the future by learning how to fast. Who who likes to go without food? No one. Everybody I know likes to eat. Everybody. I mean, obviously. Come on, look at us. But crucifying the flesh and being able to endure can be self-imposed so that you can endure not only the current hardship, but future hardship. It crucifies the flesh. It grows the spirit, man. If, you, if you've never done a three-day fast, I encourage you to do it. You will cry out to God. You will. You don't don't say, let me see how long I can fast. Say, man, I'm doing a three-day fast. And if you don't know Jesus day two, you'll be like, Jesus! You'll get close to him, man. Now, I don't, I don't have the time, and I don't want to sell you on fasting for the health benefits. But if you read up on the health benefits of fasting and what it does to your body it's almost, it's almost if God created us to fast. What? I know your body likes it when it doesn't have to digest food all the time. It it does great things for your digestion, your skin, your cells, free radicals. It does amazing things in your body that only fasting can do. But I digress. The, 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 The spiritual benefits far outweigh the physical benefits. Psalm 69:10, when I wept, I chastened my soul with fasting, and that became my approach. If you feel like you're not growing spiritually, just stop eating. be like, you know what, man, I'm going to crucify the flesh. I'm not, I'm not going to eat again until I'm connected with God. Joel 2:12 now therefore says, the Lord, turn to me with all your heart with fasting, with weeping and with mourning. And here, here, let me, before we shut down here in just a few moments, I don't want to leave you feeling too good. Um, uh, come on, that was funny. You know I, I put I put these things in my I put these things in my thanks. I put these things in my notes and then when it comes up to it I always say like man this might be mean but it's the truth. If 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 you are a Christian and the end comes, can you please not be a person that can't endure? Please. Cuz the rest of us are preparing and learning how to endure and it's going to be really annoying to be with the whiners that have never gone through anything. Dude Prepare yourself spiritually, man. I don't want to be in the desert with you and have you being like, "Is this all we get to eat? Oh, I want the leeks in Egypt, and oh, I don't want to eat this food that God is providing." Dude, learn to endure now, so we can walk through it together as soldiers, man. In like, we were made for this, man. We're ready. Psalm 35:13. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer would return to my own heart. Amen. Yeah. If you would fast, it would transform your life. First Corinthians 9:27. This is our last scripture. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Friend, in this scripture, Jesus said the days will come. That's what he said. And the days will come and the bridegroom will no longer be here. He was speaking about his departure. He was speaking about his return. He was speaking about a need for born again. And, and and the days will come when he will return. And the way that we return, or excuse me, the way that we prepare for his return now, those of us that are in Christ, is we fast. If you're not in Christ, I want you to give your life to Jesus. And then... Make a decision. Say so you want if you're a Christian here this morning, you never fast, set a date, man. Be like, this is gonna be my fasting day. My recommendation, do it at least once a month. My recommendation, do a two to three day fast at least once a year. But learn to make fasting part of your discipline and watch what it does with your spiritual life. Amen? Amen. 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 Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I want to give you an opportunity to become one. It's really quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you aren't. Either you're giving life to Jesus or you haven't. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, I want to be born again, I want to be made new, if you want to do that for the very first time, I want to invite you right now to, to uh, become a Christian. Now what we do at our church is I just want to ha- I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want, to, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be made new. If you've never made that decision before, this is an opportunity for you to raise your hand. that hand is there anybody else i see that hand thank you jesus i see that hand at our church we ask people if you if you want to you can walk up to the front of the church and someone will pray with you let's everybody stand up everybody stand up for a minute make it easier if people want to walk forward. just stand still keep your eyes closed your head bowed well let's stay in the spirit of prayer you just raised your hand to receive Christ and you'd like someone to pray with you, let this be a moment that you remember you laid your life down before Jesus, made new. Now if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, or at least you thought you were and you've been far from him, we always like to ask you if you'd like to rededicate your life. What does that mean? That means that you you were in Christ, but you walked away. You were far from God. You're far from him. And you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I don't know where I've been. I, it's been years. I've been so far away from Jesus. But I'm ready to come back. Not, not a superstitious, like, hey, I'm going to get washed once and y'all won't see me for a few years. I'm talking about, like, you are ready to come back to Jesus. You need to rededicate your life. Would you raise your hand this morning and say that it's I don't know what God spoke to you in this message. Maybe you need to be born again. Maybe you need to fast. Maybe you need to crucify the flesh. Maybe you need to uh, remind yourself of Christ's return. Whatever it is, man, just confess that to Jesus and say, Lord, this is what I I got out of the message today. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. God, we thank you that you're a God that loves us. God, we pray that every day we would live with an expectancy of your return. We would never forget that you're going to return, God. And we commit today, Lord, that we're going to fast. Uh, we're going to do it to you and through you and because of you so that we can be prepared for your return. Father, we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.